you know, obviously elite kind of stuff, um, huge fastball, um, great track record late in games this year, you know, full time in the bullpen really for the first time for him. Um, I think it's just an awesome add to an already really good bullpen. Um, excited is kind of an understatement that we, that we got him. Yeah, I would say that's an understatement. It's John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, just a few minutes ago discussing the acquisition of Jordan Hicks by the Toronto Blue Jays from the St. Louis Cardinals. That deal made yesterday on the heels of a loss to the Los Angeles Angels. Jordan Hicks is in Toronto. He's wearing number 12. He will be in the bullpen tonight as the Blue Jays open the biggest series of the year so far. A four-game set against the Baltimore Orioles. Hello and welcome to Blair and Barker. I am Jeff Blair. You'll notice that uh, my uh, usual running mate, my running mate, Kevin Barker, is not here today. Uh, You may also have noticed that Hazel May has been absent from from some of our recent Blue Jays telecasts. And I'm sure you're aware that Kevin and Hazel uh, are married. And um, Hazel's father passed away. Uh, a couple of days ago. So the Barkers are taking care of family first, as indeed they should. And um, they certainly have my condolences, uh, the condolences of everybody at this show, everybody at this station. And indeed, I think I'm safe in saying they have uh, the condolences of Blue Jays fans right across the country as well. Uh, Kevin will be back tomorrow before the trade deadline, or for the trade deadline, I should say. We'll be on the air from 4 to 7. We will be your trade deadline destination across the country on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. And I believe Hazel said today she will be back, uh, I think, in the Boston series. So, again, our condolences to Hazel and uh, her family on the passing of uh, Tito, who, from all accounts, was a massive massive sports fan and um clearly uh passed a lot of that interest on to hazel so again our condolences to hazel kevin chase and their entire family and so we bring it back to baseball we mentioned that jordan hicks was acquired from the st louis cardinals yesterday radam kloffenstein uh, and Sam Roberts, two pitching prospects. Uh, clearly, you know, when you look at what the Blue Jays were setting out to do at the deadline, and again, the deadline is 6 o'clock tomorrow, clearly addressing the bullpen was an important priority for Ross Atkins. Indeed, I would argue it was a priority even before uh, Jason uh, Jordan Romano ended up going on the DL yesterday with a, with a lower back issue. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that the Blue Jays were looking for help at the back end of the bullpen. Chad Green is expected to return at some point in August as well. He will certainly bolster the ranks. But look, let's be clear. In adding Jordan Hicks, the Jays are getting a guy who averages 101 miles an hour in his fastball. Think about that. He averages it. Uh, 102 and a bit is not uncommon for him. Safe to say that uh, when he throws his first pitch tonight, it'll probably be the fastest pitch any Blue Jays reliever has ever thrown. 
59 strikeouts in 41 and two-thirds innings. Now, he has allowed a lot of walks this year, uh, 24 of them. But he's also allowed only two home runs, one of those off his sweeper and one of those off his sinker. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is that, again, even if Jordan Romano comes back and is okay, this, is, this gives John Schneider a, a, a two-headed weapon to, uh, to roll out. Uh, against teams in situations where you don't necessarily always want contact. Now, he will give up ground balls, which, you know, given the Blue Jays' defense on the corners is, 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 not, much, is not much of an issue. But it, it's clearly a move that Ross Atkins felt he needed to make going into the deadline. Still, I would imagine the Jays will be looking for another bat, Preferably somebody that can dominate left-handed pitching. Cody Bellinger is a name we've often talked about. Well, Cody Bellinger appears to be off the market. Indeed, it appears as if there aren't a lot of options in terms of offensive players. Um, not just for the Blue Jays, but for several teams that are looking for offensive players. And generally, I would think if the Blue Jays, if the Blue Jays were going to add a significant hitter to their lineup, and when I say significant, I'm saying somebody who could play every day, um, it would be a player with some control left. The Blue Jays generally don't like rentals, although Jordan Hicks is is a rental. Um, So I would imagine if the Jays do go on the market for that type of hitter, they would be looking for somebody with control. If they can't find that person with control, then I think you can probably expect the Blue Jays to maybe fill in around the edges, maybe bring in somebody who takes them at bats away from Dalton Varsho. Uh, you know, this team, as we saw yesterday, again, has issues with runners in scoring position. What were they yesterday? Two for 16, I think, with runners in scoring position yesterday. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of simplistic to say they're going to go out and add a hitter who's going to automatically address their issues with runners in scoring position. I prefer to think that the Jays' approach will be something like the Atlanta Braves a couple of years ago where they just bring in guys who give their lineup a different approach. But ultimately, it's going to come down Bichette, Guerrero, Chapman, and indeed George Springer to uh, to get this thing where it needs to go. George Springer, by the way, is not in the lineup tonight. John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, telling us that it is a scheduled day off. For George Springer, despite the fact that he's in a he's in a gosh awful slump right now and looks as if he's uh, extremely frustrated, the lineup is Merrifield, Bichette, Belk, Guerrero, Chapman, Varsho, Kirk, Biggio in right field, and Kiermaier. So that is uh, four left-handed bats for the Jays uh, in the lineup tonight. And of course, as we said a little earlier, uh, we've been talking for the past couple of days. Hyunjin Ryu is scheduled to make the start tomorrow for the Jays against Kyle Bradish. So the trade deadline is 25 hours, just a little, little less than 25 hours right now away. The Jays have made a big acquisition. Could there be something else coming in? I think there will be a hitter. The question I want to ask our next guest, Jason Stark of the athletic is a very simple one. Jason to your best you know, your your best research, uh, things your sources are are, are telling you. Uh, is there is there a potential impact bat on the market if the Cubs do retain Cody Bellinger? <laughs> it's funny that you ask 
me that question, Jeff, because I have a piece on the athletic site that just got posted within the last 20 minutes or so asking, when does the hitters market start? <laughs> we've, had, we've had a bunch of deals now over the last five, six days. They're all for pitching because the hitters market is a disaster. It's a disaster. And there, it, it depends how you define an impact bat, I guess. But, you know, I had a GM say to me, if Jamer Candelario is the best position player who gets traded at this deadline, this is a pretty weird market. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of the best way to put it. Do you think that Shohei Otani essentially being pulled back from the market and then the Cubs pulling back Cody Bellinger, has, has that maybe like i've i've often wondered how much work gms and teams put in you know in the in a week to 10 days leading up to the trade deadline right then all of a sudden they find out that the cubs have decided you know maybe we're not that bad we're in a bad division we're going to pull these guys off i just wonder if, if you think there've been a lot of gms this uh, today who are thinking man i spent a lot of time spinning my wheels <laughs> and i spent a lot of time spinning my wheels in cody bellinger for example yeah I, hey, I've been I've been talking to guys who feel that you know really frustrated. Uh, look, the Otani coming off the market, uh, the Cubs deciding they aren't selling, the Padres deciding they aren't selling. Those are uh, huge developments because teams did put in time on those guys, and they did decide what they were and were not willing to trade, and they did spend time on the phone or texting, trying to frame what their offers might be, and then they never happen. So that's been a big part of this. Uh, The Cubs and the Padres and the Angels getting hot, that's definitely been a part of it. The other part is, like, there weren't enough sellers to begin with, Mm. and the ones that were there had no bats. They, They can't score. So they didn't have bats to trade either. Wasn't this supposed to change with the new rules weren't we supposed to it wasn't this new golden age of uh of of quote you know more varied offense upon us and, and wasn't everybody going to be taking advantage of this and i mean it really does sound as if it's kind of like the same old in some ways yeah i mean look there's definitely been an impact of these rules um but on the other hand as the as league-wide batting average has gone up League-wide home rate is way down mm-hmm. from when the ball was just flying five years ago. I mean, we're going to see over a thousand fewer home runs this year than 2019. So, you know, a few years back, if you if you're l- looking at the rosters of even the bad teams, thinking I need to add a bat, there was somebody there who get 30 home runs or might hit a half dozen down the stretch. Look at the rosters of the the Nationals, the Royals, the A's. Tell me who is on those rosters who's going to hit you six, eight, ten home runs down the stretch. I dare you to find somebody. No, and, and um, you know, further to the point, I, I think when you look at, at at the names that that are on the market, you know, names that we heard like Lane Thomas and, and Candelario is another name as well. I mean, it, it's it, they scream to me kind of. I mean, I wouldn't say they're ancillary pieces or anything like that, but I, I'm I'm not entirely. It's something. I'm not entirely their additions that change the complexion of your of your lineup completely. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, look, Candelario is a he's a nice player. He's a good player, depending on what you're running out there at the infield corners. But you know, 
I can like two years ago, the Dodgers were trading for Max Scherzer, yeah. and oh by the way, they got Trey Turner thrown into that deal. Yeah, like you can't possibly structure any kind of impact trade like that in this market. Those bats aren't there. You know, look, some some of this is going to depend on what the Cardinals do. But, you know, considering, again, a couple of weeks ago we were saying, hey, is it possible they might trade Arenado? Is it possible they might tra- trade Goldschmidt? Is it possible they might trade Tommy Edmond? I don't even think those guys are getting traded now. You know, part of me also wonders, Jason, if you look around baseball right now, you know, Barker and I had this discussion the other day, and this is why I, th- I think the Orioles kind of stand out to me. Where are the super teams? Right? Yeah, this is not a year of that. No, there there isn't. You know, I, I mean, the, the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay's been a, a fine team. Texas is a fine team. You know, the Dodgers, uh, I mean, are the Dodgers a surefire bet to go to the World Series? I don't think so. God, no. Atlanta's awfully good. But, you know, and then I look at Baltimore in first place, 64 and 41 with a bunch with not only do they have a bunch of good young players, but I mean, they basically got no they have no major payroll issues facing them next year. I mean, they can literally pick and choose, you know, provided free agents want to go want to go to that market. And and I, I kind of wonder if maybe that isn't what what it's work here is as well as there's just there's not a super team. And if there isn't a super team, you know what? Uh, who are we to, to tell a team, the Miami Marlins may be a bad example, but who are we to tell a team that they can't win a division? Who are we to tell the Cubs one, game's over five, one game over 500, you can't win a division? Guess what? You're only four back. Well, you know, I wrote about this uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, the Braves are the one borderline super team. Yeah. Um, but they're 31 over. And I don't, know, I don't know if you've been around that team at all, but... When they lose, they think it's a fluke. They honestly think they're supposed to win every game and something something weird happened if they didn't. Uh, so that's the one team I think has that upside. But you're right. When you think about what the Dodgers were last year, they, the, they won the most games of any National League team since the 1906 Cubs, and they didn't even win a series. Yeah. Okay, So they took a little step back this year to try to give some young players a chance, um, see if they could get below the tax threshold, which hasn't quite worked. Um, and the, the Astros were a monster team. They've been a monster team now for five years. This isn't the monster version. You know, they have, they have a hard time putting a, a rotation together that scares anybody. Their lineup isn't nine deep anymore. And like the upshot is what you saw the Phillies do last October is what a lot of teams are dreaming of now. Um, it's doable. When you, when you get a year like this where the Dodgers aren't a behemoth and the Yankees aren't a behemoth and the Astros aren't a behemoth, it creates opportunities for teams to dream, and they're dreaming. The problem is this is not a trade market that provides a lot of huge difference makers. And so the teams that pull off those kinds of deals, um, if there are any more to be made, um, that you know, that those are season-changing developments, I think. What did you make of the Jays' deal for, for Jordan Hicks? Well, I, let me try to describe Jordan Hicks. He has as good an arm and... Uh, frankly,
physically as, as incredible stuff as any reliever in baseball. He really does. But, you know, in some ways, if you've looked at his career, his development path, he has a little Nate Pearson in him. Or he's, mm-hmm. he's I should say he's had a little Nate Pearson in him. And he's got the great fastball. He touches 104. He's touched 105. It still gets hit at times because he doesn't always command the complimentary stuff. Uh, he's definitely been better over the last couple of months. I'll say that. Um, the most swings and misses he's ever gotten, biggest ground ball rate he's ever gotten. So I look, I like adding him. He, he's a guy they had to go and get. Um, and their bullpen's just been too inconsistent. Uh, to be, from what I'm hearing, to be honest. Uh, they're probably not done adding to the bullpen mm-hmm. if something presents itself, and I think that's important too. Uh, in conversation with Jason Stark on Blair and Barker, the Orioles are in town for four games tonight. What are you expecting you to see from the Orioles? Four games starting tonight, I'm sorry. might seem like a four games tonight, but what are you expecting <laughs> to see from the Orioles at this deadline? You know, I look at that team and I think, boy, if they could get a, if they could get a Verlander, a, I mean, if they could get a veteran arm, they could really go to work this year. Yeah, I just saw them in Philadelphia last week. Uh, I had a chance, chance to talk a little bit to Mike Elias, who's uh, the architect of that team. My take is he isn't doing anything that deviates from the process. You know, the, you know what I mean by the process, mm-hmm. right? Long term, um, they're building up to be great. But again, we just talked about this. Um, in a year where the Yankees aren't that scary, where the Rays are having a hard time even finding five guys to start every turn through, um, this is a year where he has to do something, and I'm sure he will. Uh, Like Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers is a pitching name I've heard. I think that makes some sense. He's a rental. Um, I mean, they've been asking a lot for him, the Tigers, but – I'm going to guess it's not going to take one of the Orioles' top prospects to get him. He makes he would make them a tick better, and that's really what they need. Their team on the field is so good, and it's even ahead of schedule. So he just needs to add somebody who makes them a little better, who's a tangible upgrade, who's a veteran starter. Like a Michael Lorenzen-type guy qualifies. Um, I mean, look, they're in Toronto – as the deadline unfolds, they'll have some starting pitcher by the time they leave Toronto that they don't have when they arrive to Toronto. Jason, as always, it's great to get your insight. Thanks so much. Greatly appreciated. Enjoy the deadline. I know, well, we all do, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun time of year for people like us. <laughs> Take care, man. It is entertaining in its own bizarre way, Jeff. Certainly is. Be well. You too. Thanks, bud. That's Jason Stark of The Athletic. Uh, you can read his uh, his breakdown on the athletic, and um, it, interesting. Uh, it, you know, hearing Jason talk. Um, I mean, I, I you look at you look at the the bats that are quote unquote rumored to be available, and it really is underwhelming. There does not appear to be any Juan Soto this year. Trey Turner obviously moved, uh, but there does not appear to be any Juan Soto this year. I don't know uh, how many people actually expected Shohei Otani to uh, be pulled off the market. I think maybe more than anything else, what surprised so many people, and, and really only Perry Manassian, the, the Angels GM, knows why he did this. I guess what surprised people is that 
the angels were so open in saying that 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 we aren't moving. Maybe maybe it was Perry Manassian's way of saving some of his peers, uh, saving saving them from having to uh, from waste wasting their time. I guess if you want to be charitable, but my goodness, when you look at uh, when you look at what's happening to some teams, when you look at uh, where the Dodgers are, you look at the the Yankees. I mean, there are a lot of teams that were expected to win that dearly, dearly need some sort of major offensive push. And absent Shohei Otani or, or Cody Bellinger, um, the guys you hear in the market, you know, are for the most part kind of underwhelming. I guess the 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 team that might hold bad pun here, but the team that might hold a lot of the cards in terms of that this is the St. Louis Cardinals because they have a lot of outfield depth. I'm leave, leaving aside Arenado and Goldschmidt for now because I don't believe they're going anywhere. They have a lot of outfield depth. They've got some middle infield depth. They've got lefty hitters. They've got righty hitters. Uh, they still have some pitching available. Of course, they did trade Jordan Hicks, but they may be the team that holds the key to that uh, significant positional acquisition by a team. And if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals and I see what's out there right now in terms of position players, I see how slow the market has been for position players. If I'm the St. Louis Cardinals, I might be looking at my guys and going, again, leaving Arenado and Goldschmidt aside, looking at the rest of my team and going, man, I might be able to really strike. I might be able to really strike gold here. And for an organization that is looking ahead to next year and the year beyond, there is a chance that they might be able to parlay uh, one of those position players into a pretty significant haul. And keep in mind, one thing about the St. Louis Cardinals, they do have a lot of success signing free agents. It is a wonderful baseball market. And if you're a player at a certain point in your career where you've got a family, it is without question one of the destination markets for players. So the Cardinals are never going to be in a situation where it's going to be a massive rebuild. The Cardinals are always going to be on the verge, especially in that division. We mentioned Jordan Hicks uh, joined the Blue Jays yesterday. The Jays trading Adam Klofenstein and Sam Roberts to the St. Louis Cardinals. Jordan Hicks will come in. He last pitched on July 24th in Arizona. Uh, an inning pitched, one walk, one strikeout. He's got an ERA of 367. As, as Jason said, he has been much better recently. He's uh, harnessed his breaking pitches a little better. But again, in terms of raw stuff, there isn't a closer on the market that matches Jordan Hicks. And uh, in his media availability today, Jordan was asked about being traded to Toronto. And you really get the sense that he has been thinking about it, but perhaps in the past week or so, kind of put those, kind of put those thoughts aside as, as um, you know, b- because of a lack of activity until of course he was traded Sunday. This was Jordan Hicks when asked about the, the, the buildup to the Blue Jays trade. Two weeks ago, I was like, probably not. And then, and then uh, as we got closer to the deadline, uh, weren't really winning games. So, uh, yeah, I started to think it was a possibility, and now I'm here. 
one of the other things that Jordan Hicks talked about today was, as we mentioned, uh, the command of his pitches. Now, this is a guy, it was interesting hearing Jason kind of compare him to Nate Pearson in some way in that he's a guy that, um, he's a guy that, that, that the Cardinals organization, I mean, they kind of knew what to make of him. You know, they kind of knew he was going to be a closer, but I mean, the Cardinals have, have had such a, a, a topsy turvy year that, um, you almost got the impression at times that there was a disconnect between Jordan Hicks and the organization. Now, part of that may be because discussions on a multi-year contract didn't get anywhere. And it, you know, if you're a, a Jordan Hicks and you are eligible for free agency and the team isn't contending. And frankly, you're not getting a lot of opportunities to save games because the team's not that good. I mean, he's got what eight saves this year. Uh, you know, at some point you probably start thinking about going to another team. An interesting aspect of his regaining of his command or his straightening out his season was it it seems to be that Jason Hicks or Jordan Hicks kind of made some mechanical adjustments and became comfortable with them. He talked about moving to the third base side of the rubber at the start of the year and then moving back to the first base side of the rubber. But the main thing, the main thing people talk about with him, he's always been able to throw hard. Command of a sweeper in particular uh, has emerged as a steadying as a steadying part of his game. And this was Jordan Hicks today when asked about uh, the, I guess, the writing of the ship that he managed this year. Uh, just commanding the zone, uh, using my two fastball sinker and four seam, and then the slider as... Uh, strikeout, chase pitch, and uh, just really staying focused out there and locked in. Um, that's about it. Just trying to keep it simple, keep my routine um, in a good spot. And just, you know. Uh, with Jordan Romano on the IL, for the time being at least, uh, Jordan Hicks was asked what role he thinks he will be given out of the gate. And again, he will be in the bullpen tonight. Actually, I didn't even know he was out until I got the, the trade called and some of my ex-teammates uh, were telling me, oh, you might close for a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm just expecting to be in the back end of the bullpen uh, when he gets back helping out in whatever way we can. Um, if he's been, been used a couple of days in a row, maybe I could step in and do that. I don't know. Um, we'll talk more about it, I'm sure, as, as time goes on. But as of right now, I'm, I'm just excited to be in the back end of the bullpen. He also mentioned that, uh, of course, Yenesis Cabrera, who was just acquired by the Blue Jays from St. Louis and who's looked awfully good. Uh, of course, he's familiar with him uh, from their time together in St. Louis. But he also uh, is a friend of Alec Manoa. And he and Manoa traveled to Mexico this year. They're both represented by the same agency. So certainly when Jordan Hicks came over here, uh, he, saw some, he saw some familiar faces. And again, as he continued to speak today questions got back to the breaking ball the command which is has been quite frankly the I I guess the longest running issue if you want to call it for Jordan Hicks this year the command especially the command of the breaking pitch and this is this is how he described the the evolution if you want to call it that of his pitch I mean, I think I went back to my old grip from 2018, 2019. It's called a sweeper, but I mean, I always just called it a slider. Um, 
just finding that consistency since being back uh, from the injured list and just getting more rep, reps with it. So um, overall, just finishing it and making sure that um, I'm throwing to where where I know, like I know the action now. So just having my um, starting point with it and just letting it do its work without trying to do too much or trying to make it do something. Just trust the grip and, and let it rip. That is Jordan Hicks, who again will be in the bullpen tonight. Seven oh seven will be the first pitches the Jays take on the Orioles, the first of four games at the Rogers Center. We mentioned the lineup already. George Springer is not in the lineup. Uh, it is a scheduled day off, according to John Schneider. He already had been moved out of the leadoff spot for the Angels series. So the Jays lineup is as follows Merrifield, Bichette, Belt, Guerrero, Chapman, Varshall, Kirk, Biggio, and Kiermaier. For the Baltimore Orioles, Adley Rushman, Henderson, Santander, O'Hearn, Mountcastle, Frazier, Hayes, Kauser, and Mateo. That is the lineup for the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Gibson on the mound for the Orioles. Chris Bassett gets the call for the Toronto Blue Jays. And again, it is a 7.07 first pitch. You can hear it here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and see it on Sportsnet. Ben Wagner will have the call of the game. And Ben Wagner will join us later on in the show from the press box at the Rogers Center. We'll also be joined by Derek Gould, Cardinals reporter with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We'll do a deeper dive into Jordan Hicks, the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays. But when we come back, Mike Bordick is a former Orioles and Blue Jays shortstop. He's host of Baltimore Baseball tonight on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Let's take a deeper look at the Orioles. They're in town. They're awfully good. They are a team to watch at the trade deadline. Mike Bordick joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and Sportsnet. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six o'clock Eastern tomorrow will be the Major League Baseball trading deadline. Kevin Barker, Jeff Blair will be on the air from four to seven. Right up to first pitch tomorrow, we'll have you covered all the moves made by the Jays, made by other teams as well. Lots of analysis, lots of opinion, obviously. Uh, we'll also be doing Blue Jays talk tonight and uh, through the Orioles series. A couple of deals made today. The Tampa Bay Rays acquiring Aaron Savali. Uh, from the Cleveland Guardians for their number four prospect, Kyle Manzardo, a first baseman. Uh, he was rated uh, 37th prospect overall in baseball by MLB Pipeline. Uh, Aaron Savali will join the starting rotation of the Rays. He's pitched to a 1.45 ERA in July over six starts and uh, just recently concluded the Seattle Mariners have traded Paul Sewell, Sewald uh, one of their back-end relievers. They have traded him to the Arizona Diamondbacks for a uh, package of minor leaguers, package of prospects, I guess you could say that, uh, for a package of prospects. And if if uh, that would be an indication, now, of course, Jerry uh, DePoto, the Mariners' general manager, does like to have his cake and eat it too at times. Uh, but that would be an indication I would think anyhow to be an indication that the Mariners, while not necessarily backing up the truck, are almost certainly uh, in a position where they will end up moving uh, Teoscar Hernandez 
at the deadline as well. So that is something to keep an eye on. We'll be keeping an eye on the Rogers Center tonight and indeed over the next four days as the American League East leading Baltimore Orioles come into town fresh off a 9-3 win over the New York Yankees last night. The Orioles, look, I think if you ask most people around baseball about the Baltimore Orioles and you said, what do the Orioles need to be able to build on what they've already started and maybe finish it off with a deep postseason run this year? People would answer starting pitching. That seems to be the most obvious answer when you talk about the needs of the Baltimore Orioles. That is at least the way it looks from a distance. Mike Bordick is a former Orioles and Blue Jays shortstop. He's host of Baltimore Baseball Tonight on 105.7, the fan of Baltimore. Let's see what he thinks about that. Mike Bordick joins us on Blair and Barker. Mike, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it should be a should be a great it should be a great four game series tonight or starting tonight. Question for you: As we get close to the deadline, look, we just had Jason Stark on, and uh, Jason, like everybody else, was saying when you look at this young Orioles lineup, when you look at the depth of the minor league system, when you look at what they've already done this year, you know, you kind of close your eyes and just imagine the impact that uh, I, I, a Justin Verlander could have in this rotation, or or maybe even a Marcus Stroman. I'm wondering where you, uh, I'm wondering where you sit on that because the flip side, of course, is this organization has spent a lot of time signing and developing these prospects, and they all seem really good. <laughs> it's not, it's not like there's any, it, it's not like there's sort of a, there's a weak, there's a weak one you could necessarily get rid of. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, first of all, I guess thank you for having me, and. Uh... Second of all, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I, I think uh, it would be, um, I don't know, pretty ironic, I guess, if Verlander was able to come to the Orioles because he was the key piece with the Houston Astros and, of course, Mike Elias and Sig Dell and, and a bunch of other uh, former Astros picked up shop and, and moved to Baltimore to revamp the whole organization. Uh, so all of a sudden to, uh, you know, put a cherry on top and bring Verlander back to try to, hoist the trophy here in Baltimore would be pretty interesting for sure, but definitely starting pitching. Um, But, you know, there are some other spots that there are some concerns with, but I would think that Mike Elias is targeting pitching right now. If there's one thing the Orioles don't have is depth uh, in their starters or bullpen arms. So to be able to land a, a couple arms would be super important. I also think that, there are still some question marks with the rotation, even though collectively they've done a really nice job to get them where they are right now. But, you know, Tyler Wells was just sent down to Bowie double-A. He appears to be maybe hitting a wall right now. The dog days are upon him. They're trying to reset him, give him a – he might miss a start or two. Um, So there are question marks. Dean Kramer as well, uh, he's just gotten over his – uh, innings that he pitched last year. Now, granted, every one of these guys wants to build on what they did last year, but Tyler Wells finished the year last season injured um, and didn't get to, to pitch as much. So, you know, he's definitely a question mark, And uh, but they definitely could use stability, whether they go to a six-man rotation, whether they somehow, you know, miss a start for one or two of these guys along the way uh, will help them, I think, better prepare for 
the middle of September and, and a possible run in October. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, don't you think that every team that wants to make it to the postseason is looking for an arm, whether it be a starting pitcher or a bullpen arm, because that's what gets you gets you there and gets you deep into the postseason. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we were just talking to Jason Stark about that. And he said it was you know, from talking to a couple of executives. They were making the point that, good gosh, there's really there aren't a lot of bats in the market right now. It's uh, everybody is, you know, everybody's going after arms. And, um, and I think part of that is because, you know, there are, as Jason said, there really aren't too many super teams left in baseball anymore. You know, some of the usual teams have got, have, have got issues in there. It's, and and it's it's because of that a lot of teams think they have a shot. A lot of teams think they have a realistic shot of going on a run in the postseason. So they're naturally going to be reluctant to part with uh, to, to part with players. But you know, from from where I said, I just look at what the Orioles have done this year. I mean, Mike, it it is entirely possible, and I don't know if you subscribe to this theory, but it's entirely possible that the Orioles, and I don't think Mike Elias would ever come out and say this, or Brandon Hyde would ever come out and say it. But I wonder if this, I wonder if this lineup is a year ahead of where they thought it would be. You know, when they look at the way Gunnar Henderson is 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 playing, and 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 just some of the holdovers as well. I wonder if they look at this and go, man, this is kind of not what we anticipated. I, I do think it came a little bit sooner than expected. I don't think they anticipated Adley Rutschman to have the impact that he had from the day he got called up, just completely changed the face of the big league team. They all of a sudden started winning. They finally had a team leader. Brandon Hyde's dream was to have a, a catcher that could, you know, take the rotation and lead them and and build faith and be vocal. And Adley Rutschman is one of the best character guys I've seen. Uh, just a great pro. Uh, people rally around him. Uh, he cares about his starting pitchers. He cares about his bullpen and, and works as hard as he can to make them as good as possible. And I think the fact that he came up through the minor leagues and people wanted him to get rushed straight up through, I think the fact that they took their time with Adley Rushman so that he could get his hands on a lot of the younger prospects like a Gunnar Henderson, like a Colton Kowser. He's played with every one of these guys, Westberg as well. So they're all familiar with each other. You know, they all came through the minor league system together and which was touted one the best farm system in all of baseball. So they're doing this as, as a unit. I think they all believe in themselves. Um, they're playing loose with reckless abandon and it's contagious. Even some of the older guys, and really they don't have a very old team, but they've got, what's interesting to me is a lot of these guys are off the scrap heap. They took chances on guys. And I think just the culture that they've built there in Baltimore right now has kind of resurrected a lot of careers. Guys start believing in themselves. They made a, made a, um, might've made a few adjustments uh, here and there with mechanics, with some pitchers like, Who'd ever thought Felix Batista would be able to harness that 101-mile-an-hour fastball, and now he's the best closer in baseball and putting up historic numbers. Frazier having uh, his career year, playing some of the best defense I've ever seen him play. Anthony Santander continues to get better and one of the most consistent hitters from both the left and the right side. His defense has been spectacular. Uh, They've got the best defense in the American League. Some of the plays these guys are making are incredible. So collectively, I think they all just believe in themselves. It's a loose clubhouse. They don't even, they're not even looking for the future. They just look for one game at a time. They play hard. They know how to come back and win games. They've won close games. 
Um, it's just been a really fun team, an energetic team to watch, and everybody has contributed. And if you can think of a way to win, they have found a way to win. So, uh, yeah, the Orioles, If I, I guess the question mark is, do they have enough to hang on for two more months? Because these are the toughest months, man, for teams, especially young teams that haven't played 162 games, that really don't know what's in front of them. I mean, I guess they got blinders on, so it could help them. But the pitching is what's going to be stressed here the next two months. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing you talk about that that sort of that that connectiveness, if you want to call it that, of of, of the young guys in that team. Because I can remember having a conversation with Mike Soroka of of, of the Braves in spring training three or four years ago. And it, it was a Grapefruit League game in Dunedin, so they had brought a lot of their younger players along. And I remember Soroka, when I was talking to him, looking around the room and saying, you know, I've won with that guy. I've won with that guy. I've won with that guy. You know, he's won with me. Like, and, but, and his point was there really was that, that sense of togetherness that had been built in the minor leagues and, and was translating in, into the major leagues. Just the fact that you've looked at the guy to the left of you and, you know, he he probably saw you at your worst in double A and he's probably seen you at your best in double A as well. And it was just interesting hearing a younger, at that point, a younger pitcher talk about that sense of connection with, with the guys. And I do yeah. think there's something there. I really do think there's something there. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, the biggest part of playing in the big leagues um, is the trust factor. Do you trust your teammate? Do you see him work every day? Uh, a lot of times there are question marks because guys have egos but I'll tell you what, the fact that this organization was completely overhauled and these guys came up together, like you said, they trust each other. They know the work they've put in. They know what they can do, what they can't do on the field, and they stay within themselves. And I, I think uh, that's why they've had such a splash, I think, this year on all of baseball. Um, and they've been able to run with it uh, to this point. And I don't know that anybody's very comfortable playing them right now. And it seems like they rise to every challenge that's put in front of them. I know they were getting knocked for uh, an easy schedule the first, you know, month of the season. And everybody's like, oh, okay, well, now you got to play the Braves. Now you got to play Tampa. Now you got to play Toronto. And they've stepped up and really answered the bell to everybody. And now I, I think there are a lot of believers in this team. And uh, like I said, I think now it's just the fact do they have enough to hold on? Do they have enough depth? If they don't make a move, if they're not able to, because I will say this, I know the Orioles are a pretty popular team right now, but they're also also popular with all the prospects they have. So if somebody gets a phone call, you know, they've got a lot of pl- uh, prospects to look at and they can kind of pick and choose and put some pressure on Elias. And I don't know if Elias really wants to pull the trigger on losing a couple of these people that they've, you know, used to build up the system and make it so strong. And, um, you know, the way this team chemistry is right now, I don't know, it would be tough to uh, disrupt it if you actually took a player or two out of the big league roster and replaced them with a couple guys. So it's going to be really interesting the next 24 hours, what happens with the Orioles. But I tell you what, there have been a lot of moves, a lot of pitchers going, and there's a lot of pitchers that can still uh, end up in an Orioles uniform. Uh, Mike, we just have you for a few more minutes. I did want to ask you about Gunnar Henderson. Saw that series against Tampa Bay, and look, he what he was the AL Rookie of the Month for, in June. Um, you know, he's he's had a really good year. But I thought that series in Tampa, 
I think it was the Tampa series where he had the triple and he made a couple of plays. I just, I mean, you talked about players who have a sense of the moment and who don't, you know, who, who, who don't seem overwhelmed by things. It seems as if you've kind of seen this guy grow, even just from opening day. He looks to me like a, he looks to me like a guy who be, absolutely believes he belongs in the majors. Well, there's no doubt about that, and he he believes in his skill set. Listen, he's a five-tool player, um, and they move him around third base, uh, shortstop. I, personally, I thought he should stay at third base. He'll be a Gold Glove third baseman. He'll go down in, in Oriole history, right beside Brooks Robinson and Manny Machado, um, because he has that kind of athleticism. He has that kind of arm. And, yeah, he showed his athletic skill set off in that Tampa series at third base and at shortstop with the bat, every part of his game. Um, And every game he just, you know, he does something special. Like you go, oh, my gosh. And if you ever have ever seen this young man in person, he's a beast. He's like Mm -hmm. 6'3". He's a big kid and moves around so agile, uh, so much fun to watch. And I've said since the day I saw him, I said, oh, my gosh. This guy is going to be like a perennial MVP kind of caliber player. He's just got that kind of skill set, and I think he can be that impactful. And I saw a stat, um, I think it was in last night's ball game because they got some national attention this weekend where uh, his hard hit rate is right there with like Shoei Otani and Aaron Judge. I actually think he's second um, in hard hit rate this year. So he squares up the baseball, got incredible speed, he, he'll figure out the power. Even more power will come for him. Um, it's going to be fun to watch him become a superstar in baseball. Mike, we're going to let you run. Thank you very much for doing this, my friend. Great to talk to you as always. Yeah, same here. I'm really looking forward to this series. Should be a good one. Should be a good one indeed. Mike Bordick, former Orioles and Blue Jays shortstop. He is host of Baltimore Baseball tonight on 105.7. The fan in Baltimore, 707 is the first pitch. Chris Bassett against Kyle Gibson. Tuesday's matchup, Kyle Bradish against Hyunjin Ryu. He'll be making his first start since coming off surgery. Wednesday, Grayson Rodriguez against Yusei Kikuchi. Thursday is an afternoon game. It's a uh, to-be-confirmed on the part of both the Jays and the Orioles. And, uh, of course, with the trade deadline at 6 Eastern tomorrow, it's entirely possible that Thursday's starter for the Orioles is someplace else right now. Speaking of right now, it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. What is up, Mark Boffo? All right, Jeff. Well, what's up is what's going on at Rogers Center tonight. You were talking about it. Massive series, four-gamer between the Orioles and Blue Jays. Biggest series of the year so far, you think? Oh, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, listen, the games just get more intense as the uh, as we get deeper into the calendar here. And then you factor in the division matchup. It's uh, It's hard to say it's not. So we got Kyle Gibson versus Chris Bassett tonight. We just want to know who's winning tonight, Jeff. What do you think? Jays are favored on the money line at Bet Rivers. Who's taking the win tonight? I mean, you know, I look at this. Uh, I I look at 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 uh, you know the Orioles are what five and one against the Jays this season. They're coming off a nine three win over the Yankees. I mean, they've got some guys that just absolutely own the Blue Jays. Ryan Mountcastle, right? What he's got fifteen home runs in forty five games. Against the Jays, uh, you know, he. I look at the starting pitchers. I mean, Kyle Gibson, he's had 11 quality starts this year. Three have been this month. He held the Jays to one run in seven innings. Uh, Chris Bassett, what, he, I think he started against the Orioles on June 13th at Camden Yards. 
gave up eight runs and 11 hits in three innings. I mean, I, I want to lean towards the Orioles winning this game because of that, but but I got to say this. The Jays are a different team. We've talked about this. They're a different team at home. Chris Bassett, 16 of his 22 home runs given up have been on the road. They are a different team at home. They pitch differently at home. I got a sense the Jays take three of four in this series. I think they get that first win tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. It's, I mean, it's hard to dispute that. I, you make some good points. I will say this, though. Blue Jays have lost their last nine games as home yep. favorites against AO East opponents. So we'll we'll see if they can break that trend tonight. Yeah, well, and the Jays, let's face it, the Jays have been not very good against the AL East this year. What, they're 7-20 no. and 20 overall, which is the worst, divi- the, the worst record by any team in baseball inside its division. And uh, far and away, far and away the worst interdivision record for the Jays. And that actually becomes important because if, if you get into a wild card scenario or if you get into a tie with other teams, head-to-head record is the first tiebreaker, but then your record inside your own division becomes the second tiebreaker. So if you're the Jays, you got to start racking up some wins against the Baltimore Orioles. I got a feeling they get one tonight. Just got a feeling of the playing the Yankees last night for the Orioles coming into town, the Jays of Jordan Hicks. I got a real good feeling that the Jays take this one uh, tonight. And as I said, I think they, they have to take three or four in this series. I don't think they have any choice. Uh, if they want to retain aspirations of winning the division, which this still has to be all about. Derek Gould covers the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Let's take a deeper dive into Jordan Hicks, the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's see if maybe the Cardinals have some other moves to make. Derek Gould joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet.